Welcome back to another episode of the Shift Drink Podcast. I'm Ed Rudisell, sitting here back in Indianapolis. I've been traveling around a lot over the last few episodes and stuff and hanging out, but back home, chilling with a couple of special guests today. I've got Luke Tobias from Kuma's Corner here in Indianapolis and Mike Michek from Chicago of like every band that you've ever heard of in the metal genre and, and across <laughs> at the same, genres. Yeah, at the same, at the same, yeah, at the same time. Right, yeah, concurrent, yeah, it's insane. But we'll get to that here in a few, but... um. Yeah, so we're checking in. We're talking burgers, beer, while we're sitting and having tiki yeah, drinks and, and music and, and all kinds of shit, man. So how are you doing, Luke? I haven't I, seen you forever, man. I am good. I appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we've just been blasting, so uh, just had a kid. and That's right. Yeah, you just had a kid. How old? She's amazing. She's three three months. Three, uh, really? It's only been three months? Yeah. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm just seeing you on social media, and I'm like, oh, wow, it seems longer than that. Yeah, but she just, <laughs> on your uh, end, it's yeah. got to be longer. Well, she just started driving and, uh, you know, working, so uh, she's coming up quick. No, yeah, she's she's awesome. She's amazing. And, and how old are you now? Fuck, I don't know, 39. 39, oh, yep. you're just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's, but... Well, uh, and you own a restaurant. I mean, like, yeah. you've, you've stacked all the things against yourself. So did it, sleep was just too much for you? Yeah, we don't do that. <laughs> we don't sleep is right. No, <laughs> man, we don't. Well, and two 13-year-olds. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the boys are uh, ripping, and it's a, I mean, it's a lot 13. of work. 13, wow. Oh, <laughs> 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 yeah, it's uh, it's it is an experience, man. It is uh, they're they're growing in a different time than I did. Yeah, I wouldn't know how to process that shit, man. It's, I got like a niece and nephew, and they're they're yeah. crazy enough. Just niece and all surveillance that. and shit. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it is. It was my nephew for Christmas. I just bought him a fucking um, well, I I gave him a guitar for Christmas. Mm-hmm. I can't necessarily say I bought it. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, regifted from something I was given when I was a teenager. Hey, cool. And um. Yeah, I th- hopefully he'll play it. He seems to be a he has serial boredom. Like I, I, he doesn't like to practice things. He just wants yeah. to be good at them right off Instantly. the bat. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I so see that. he quits a lot of things. So like that's why we weren't willing to like invest a ton of money on a guitar right off the bat because he might put it down and never pick it back yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair so, enough. It's this uh, old. <laughs> Like cheesy series ten with like tiger stripes, and it's uh, about as eighties as it gets. I, 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 I for a long time had a thing about like just gaudy eighties metal. Oh man, this thing was my it shit. really didn't play all that badly mm-hmm. once it was set up. Um, it had been a couple decades since it'd been set up, but um, yeah, it was it, it was interesting. He just I hope he's playing it. it. Yeah, no, he's cool with it. I mean, it's got one of those weird shapes that's kind of like. Explorer kind of V, kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of just everything yeah. all thrown into I, one. But I love that shit. I think it's cool. There's you're starting to f- see those things pop up here and there too more frequently. Yeah, I found a them. collector actually weirdly enough online while I was trying to figure out, you know, um, just trying to find some parts for it, and I found a dude that collects these like old. Uh, there are people that yeah, do that. They're like plywood guitars, effectively. Yep. So yeah, but let's get to talking about like uh, what you do here in Indie Man because yep. um, you our operating partner of Kumas yep. in Indianapolis yep. or like yep. all, all around just just indie right i don't know uh, what's your so, position in the yeah company? so it's a chicago um, company yeah yeah we're based in chicago um but uh i am one of the partners here and then i'm up in chicago at this point uh, like every other week really yeah just sort of 
tying all the things together and um, working on communication and that sort of thing. Obviously, you know, from working at restaurants, it's uh, a sizable task at any um, any size of restaurant. And so certainly uh, there are four locations there, and it's it's work. Are all the other locations in Chicago? Chicago area. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, so there are four there, two in the city, one in Schaumburg and one in uh, Vernon Hills. Mm-hmm. And then um, we will in, I want to say, uh, June, July, August, Ish. This one on Randolph, right? Is that coming? Uh, that's yeah. what. That's the West Loop. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, yeah. down there, um, Denver. Okay, right on. Yeah, I remember several years back there being talk of like Louisville or Pittsburgh or something. I can't remember now. So yeah. that's why I was. I couldn't remember if there were, you guys branched out. So like Indianapolis is the only one outside of Illinois at yes. the moment. Yep. Yep, we're the first Kumas location outside of Illinois. Absolutely. So for That's for cool. our listeners that aren't familiar with Kumas, you want to give it like the quick <laughs> synopsis? <'cause laughs> yeah. So so you're prepared when you walk in. Yeah, if, you, so, if you have missed all the media attention <laughs> over we, the years, we've been around since 2005, and we're a boutique uh, burger bar. It's just metal and burgers. All the burgers are named after metal bands, and we've been fairly uncompromising in terms of culture thus far. And That's cool, man. You know, we're, I, mean, I mean, we're slamming. We started with one location. It's nine tables. It's this tiny little, like, corner uh, spot in just at the edge of Logan Square, Avondale area mm-hmm. uh, in Chicago, and started popping in 05 avondale that's a little bit before oh, yeah. the curve there oh yeah um it, yeah it was i mean well i mean when you moved down to, into this neighborhood as well it was kind of it was still mid-swing you know it wasn't <laughs> quite all the way there but that was why we want to come to a place like this because it really was similar to what we yeah. were doing neighborhood wise at the original location well in 2005 is crazy for like a boutique burger bar that was definitely ahead of the curve because mm-hmm. of that i think feel like it's taken off like crazy now there's so many you can't even keep track. I mean, it doesn't matter where yeah. you are, what city you're in. I don't know, Mike, you travel around a lot, like playing with all the 45 bands that you play with. But I mean, like, I mean, you've got to see that. There's all these boutique burger places yeah. everywhere. Everywhere. Every city's got their own brand of it now. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Multiples. Multiples. And, Multiples. And it's usually done pretty poorly. You yeah. know, oh, God. Uh, you it, know, that's, it's like I get, in fact, your place is like pretty much the only, what you said, you know, boutique burger. I don't know yeah, what else yeah. to, how else to phrase that, but it's like, it's the only burger, burger joint that'll hit that's not just a standard, like, issue just boring yep. fucking burger like that's I, I if it. i'm gonna get out and get crazy it's gonna be kumas other than that i'm not gonna do it that's at all. awesome i appreciate that um, yeah because they're really well done and you guys like put on a pretzel roll yep which i don't really remember too many it's people kinda, doing that before oh five you yeah, know it's, it's kind of i mean it's a it's, thing now it's not like, like you invented it but i mean no, did but you start the trend propelled I, it i i think we definitely brought it into the uh spotlight a little bit more it seems it's like kind of polarizing here and i never really noticed that so much in chicago really it's a little bit of a different thing i mean I mean, give me it, my brioche <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they get shitty i mean we've had you know you get people going this is the worst shit i've ever tasted in well my it's life. a little bit of a tougher like crumb but i mean you've got it's a 10 a, ounce a fucking gigantic, burger right? it's a, the burger's gigantic <laughs> you have to have a base for this man. right yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm like i can't i can't even i'm a big dude i'm 230 pounds i cannot mm-hmm. eat a whole burger and fries on my own. i can do one or the other yep. but i can't do both we oh God, there was, without just feeling like shit you there, know? <laughs> and i i don't i used to eat, when i was cooking regular when i was on the line i mean i would slam a whole orders of mac and cheese just like on a cigarette break 
And but I'm the same way. Now. Yeah, it's just man, it's a lot. Well, and I like to it do a lot, lot of your appetizers because it's not just the burgers too. Like you said, the mac and cheese is real well yeah. known, dude. Those fucking like chorizo po- yeah, poppers, poppers are like insane. Crushed a plate and of those so last night. Did to you? be able to have all that, That's like I can't just do the burger. I gotta like, all right, who wants a burger? Like, and we all have to agree yep. on like, are we all in on an Iron Maiden? Yeah, you know split that up, split it up. Right, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it, man. But it's, even beyond that, also like the craft beer. So like, I know yes. you personally have gotten really deep down the rabbit hole on that. And yeah. It's it's consuming. And um, obviously we talk drinks a lot here, but I mean, as that path has, even since I've known you, you've dug a lot deeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As the sort of like industry grows, for sure. sort of, I guess, cliche as that sounds, you start finding better product. Yeah. How much do you, you know? keep your hands on curating the beer list over there yourself? Is that um, all you? You know, it's not. Actually, I trained the manager to do it. And so we have conversations. She'll, you know, touch base and ask me what my thoughts are on different things. And I mean, it's a significant task. We've got sure. uh, a fuck ton of beer. You and know how many draft lines you guys so have? We got 16, but they rotate. There right. are no static yeah. lines and four spirit lines. And then we'll have anywhere from 50 to 100 bottles. Yeah, that's crazy. All man. the time. The upkeep on it is wild, and especially in a place like Indianapolis where there are so many breweries and so many mm-hmm. people doing different things, as well as what's going on just in the Midwest and, and further out. Like, it's a lot of work, so there definitely have to be a system tied to it. Yeah, when that the craft beer thing just, like, took over here, I mean, you guys were really, I think, opening here in Indy at the same time. I, mean, I know in Chicago you already kind of had the vibe going. Yep. But you're right. I mean, it, the, the explosion here has been stupid. It can't keep track of it. It's a lot. Like, we've gotten to a point now where you can now, like, make slushy beers and not even put the correct ABV on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, see that? It, where, where, where people uh, become suspect of what you're doing. I mean, right. But, I mean, that's, I mean, I'm joking about that. But, I mean, we really are to a point where, not like, really it joking. was at no. 10 years ago where it was just like, is that craft? I don't give a fuck. It's yeah, local. Yeah, I'm going to drink it. it. Now it you're like, thing. I don't know, man. Like, now like, people being a little bit more discerning and not just drinking it because it's local. Absolutely. Well, and you've got the other side of it, which is this trade market that exists for these things. And people put money into buying different things and they, you know, look for the taste, but they also look for experience. And the the way that this shit works now, nobody drinks one beer twice. Right. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't. Everybody's so. sitting on untapped trying to check in as many as humanly possible, <laughs> you know, and, and get that and you know what, an 500th untapped. IPA badge. Especially yep. if you're traveling, too. Like, I mean, you know, I do that with cocktails a lot. Like, if I'm cruising into, like, a badass cocktail bar, yep. I'm, I even if I really love what I'm drinking, I have to try force myself to get try something different because yeah. there's only so much booze I can handle in the course of an evening. It, plus, you want to kind of see what people yeah. are fucking doing, you know? Right, and exactly. If, is there something gnarly that you'd you should do or like so, is there something wild that you wouldn't have thought of like that's how where you are now but like how did you get involved in kumas originally i mean have you been cooking your whole career or did you kind of fall ass backwards into uh, it like the rest of us yeah it was so i mean i've been cooking most of us did it real young yeah. yeah i'm like i think at 23 i fell into a management job I, only because all the other managers quit simultaneously uh, so they're like you you're hired next in line i know 20 years later harry i still am it uh sticks with some people it's not fucking for everybody you know a lot of people can't do it it's grinding. It is. I've worked in restaurants since I was pretty young, but I mean, I don't like Subway and Dairy Queen. And sure. Like no, that, that know, counts like though, man. Fat. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. When I was very young, like I remember I was the manager of a Subway when I was 13. You're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it, but you know what I'm saying? And so it's a different time. Right. It was. And that shit, like they could do a lot different things with, back then. So I always um, say there's a lot to be learned. There's, uh, you know, 
we get applicants to come in, you know, to our restaurants and they're like kind of sheepishly put on their resume or CV that like, uh, I mean, I, I worked at Applebee's for a year and a half, mm-hmm. but, I, but I'm really into good food. I'm like, nah, yeah, it's yeah. cool. List that shit because yes, like, please. I know, I know you can color in the lines. So they're like, when yes. we show you how to color outside the lines, yep. like you still know where you're supposed to be. Oh, you know? absolutely. Like, so I, yeah. I show because this is a whole new generation now that's like never been experienced to like paying your dues at McDonald's on the fucking hotline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and that's something that coming from up there that I never, uh, Indianapolis has the most chain restaurants. Oh yeah, it's a lot. But it was, and it's actually a test market for these things to see, you know, like people come in here and test a concept and, you know, it's thought like, if it can work here, then it can work for scale. Right. So you don't have a lot of that in Chicago. And when you run into it here, you know, I'm the same way. Like if you worked at Chili's for six years, you can do it. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. can do yeah. Like, you have it, the ability to do it, whatever it is that you're looking to do. That's a different mentality. Like, you come in every single day and just, mm-hmm. you know, work at fucking Chili's or Applebee's or whatever. Like, that is, people cut their teeth on that all day, and it's very effective for the people that utilize it. So you jump from a 13-year-old manager to a 14-year-old manager of uh, Kumas? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, wait, when did you get started at Kumas? Because you were there, not... Yeah. Exactly in the beginning, but pretty nah, damn close, yeah. right? I mean, in 2008, I think. So, like, what, four years, three, three and a half it years was, after it, it started? It, it was two, like two and a half years have been open, so it must have been 2007. It's crazy, actually, man. but yeah. Did you expect um, that you'd be still sitting here talking about Kumas a decade later? You know what? Well, I didn't, but I could kind of see it because it was sort of the same situation. Like you're talking about where the chef literally just quit on a Saturday night, <laughs> you know, and it's always a Saturday. I mean, he's down there changing his clothes and literally I'm like new, super new guy, like two weeks. Oh, shit. And I just walked down and go, are you fucking joking? This is crazy. Where are you going? And he dipped. Wow. So what are you going to do? I mean, when there's opportunity, and especially in a place like Chicago where there are so many restaurants. And you need a paycheck, too. That's yep, right. you got to get through yeah. service on yep. a Saturday night. So, yep. like, once you get through one, you're like, okay, maybe there's something I can yeah, do. Yeah, you can do something. You right. can get, you know, and it started to get obscenely busy. I just ridiculous. Yeah, so that's one thing that we haven't addressed yet. Like before, there was two or three or four or five locations of Gomez. There was the original, mm-hmm. and it is insanely busy. Mm-hmm. It's still insanely busy, but it's like for our listeners, we have a lot of people who listen outside of like the Midwest or yeah, these yeah. colder zones. Yeah, yes. and like people will stand outside in a Chicago winter, which is one of the most brutal fucking winters. I don't care if you're in New York or in South Dakota. Yep. Chicago's winters are some of the most brutal I've experienced because of that damn lake. Oh, yeah. Because, yes. uh, you it know, blows it just, straight off. Yeah, that wind just burns the skin off of your face. And people will stand outside for an hour and a half just to get inside to oh, one yeah. of those, like, what, 30 seats or whatever the hell there yeah, is. Yeah, well, it's, I think, 28 up there. It's nine tables, whatever. Yeah, yeah. 36. Yeah, yeah, just to get one of those burgers. And so, yeah. and not only that, but you've got not only just regular people. I mean, you've, all these bands that you've named the burgers after are, like, also coming in. And yep. so it's become a real, like, I won't want to say media sensation, but, you know, I heard about Kumas long before I ever went to Kumas. Yeah. yeah you know, yep. because I had to prepare myself for the line, you know. And you were right by, like, hot dogs, which also yeah. always has a line. Rest in peace. Rest I in wish, peace. I wish this guy would open back up. 
I, you know something. Great, you're like you're rolling a great breakfast <laughs> empanada joint there now. Well, is there? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I drove past it a couple. Cafe Tola, baby. But I know that. I mean, Doug Stone does uh, like collaborative things with people. He now. he does shit with uh, Peace Pizza. You can go to yep. Peace and get yourself some sausage on a pizza, and then yep. I think oh, he nice. still works out of Wrigley now too. Oh you wow! Get a hot dog sausage on a bun somewhere in that state. You need to do the uh, the hot dog thing awesome. where like Akuma's logo gets you free burger for life. Yeah, or yeah, something. Oh, a tattoo. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We'll yeah. do that. Come on, bring yeah. that. That's. I mean, yeah. Then that was around the other corner. There was the Bill Kim spot. Uh, Ur- Urban, Urban Belly. Belly. Yeah, I used to go there quite a lot. Which so I, uh, Urban Belly was really the big impetus behind the original Rook. Really? Before we moved to the big location. Oh, wow. Because when we had okay. that little shotgun space, I was like, yep. let's do fucking counter service, which, yep. of course, we've just switched to at our Thai restaurant yep. as well. And all that was from going into Urban Belly. I'm like, this fucking works. I love Let's Urban do Belly. this thing. Urban, and people Urban here Belly. just didn't really get it at first. Again, that was like seven years ago now. So I think it was a little bit yep. ahead of the, of the curve. Absolutely. Um, now we're still kind of like fighting that battle a little bit over uh, at the Thai joint, but I, it's I, not as much as it was at, at Rook. It was pretty rough in the beginning. I would say, days. do you feel like you have to like convince people? Uh, just explaining it a lot. Like, yeah. I don't get it. Like, what do I do? I'm I like, well, well, yeah, it's yeah. it's the just lack of comprehension. I think. Like, I don't really. I mean, there's a giant counter with three registers there, and people come in like, oh yeah, just need a table. Yeah. Like, we're gonna take your order here. That's it's, why there's three is, registers. But they yes. have no problem walking into a McDonald's and ordering food. You know, right, it's the same concept. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. I know. Like, I'm just going to put you in the fucking frame. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that, that was what was something I always loved about uh, hot dogs, too, is that Doug would work the counter, and it, they had that fucking process down, man. That was the quickest thing. I wasn't, like, a super regular over there, but anytime I went there, it, it was takes fast. Too, it took too many hours to it, be a regular Well, there. yeah, yeah, you got to stay, 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 stay in line, right. line for yeah, seven yeah. weeks ahead of time. But, <laughs> right. um, but yeah, pull up to the counter, and that's, uh, you know, he had that shit figured out. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys, anyways, getting back to your line, because you're across, damn near across the street with a giant line of yourselves, and, like, these burgers have gotten a ton of media attention, not only because of the line, you've also pissed people off, which I know (laughs) is, like, a kind of a uh, point of pride for all involved in the company. I'm thinking most, obviously, of the the Ghost Burger. Ghost Burger. Um, But I guess before we get into that, like... So all the burgers are named after bands. Yep. Who does almost, the name? Almost, almost all of them. Right. Well, you get the Kumas. Yeah. Like the Kuma burger. We, we've done a couple of other politically charged things yeah, here yeah, yeah. and there. You know. Um, You're allowed to say it. And you're like looking at me. Like I literally we interviewed Chris no, from it, the Green Zone that has oh, a fuck Trump punch on his menu. Oh hell yeah. Well, it, it, yeah. I'm just trying to. It's pretty subtle. De- 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 trying to determine how much following conversation when I leave out of here. I'm right. About to have, yeah. You know. Um, Bone's gonna ring immediately. We just heard oh it. Oh my god. But yeah. For the most part, after metal bands. But originally, when I first started there, the guy that started Kumas, his name's Mike, he would have a pretty heavy hand in naming them. But we are 15 years right. out now. Yeah. So we do a burger every single month, if you think, for 15 years. So really now, right. I have more interest in figuring out what the folks at the individual locations are into. Sure. You're just like let, scraping Bandcamp to figure like, out some guys, original yeah, names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, are you, what, what are you guys into? You know, oh, that's cool. And it, I mean, so it gives, the input gets comes in from everybody on Burgers I mean, a Month. Yeah, I mean, de- well, definitely here. It's a little bit different up there in the sense that I think they 
they're in the, sort of in the process of trying to like pre-curate everything and like figure out the names for years in mm. advance and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, employee feedback is crucial. That's awesome. It is. Has, have, have any of the bands ever come in and gotten like disappointed that their burger wasn't like what they were they're, hoping or it wasn't as delicious as they thought it was? Yeah, there was a band that played. Just thinking like all those deli sandwiches in New York named after famous people. And you're right. just like, <laughs> you get a crappy one. You're like, Shitty. I don't want to be that pickled fish sandwich. Oh, yeah. my God. Well, there was, um, did you come to the anniversary show that Baroness played? No, it was before my time. We sh- yeah, we shut down the whole street. There were like 3,000 people. It's crazy. Jeez. That's Fine. beautiful. The headliner for that had a burger on the menu, and they showed up and wanted to have like a, a question and answer about why their burger was named this. <laughs> really? And, uh, and, and why the ingredients that were chosen, this whole thing. So, I, I mean, That's it, funny. It, it happens, but it's not super frequent. And people don't realize how hard it is to name shit. Oh, okay. You know, you think on the outside looking in, you think it's going to be real fun, like cocktails. You see a clever cocktail name, you're like, oh, that's awesome. But yeah, you don't think about like, oh, you have to do that 75 times a year. I can't, I cannot. We just gave up. We just started pulling, well, at the Tiki Bar, obviously, we got a lot to pull from historically, but at other places, we just, uh, at Rook, we just used hip hop songs. Right. In a black market, we would use old uh, episode names from like Looney Tunes and shit. We're like, whatever. Just do it. It means nothing. It literally means nothing. I mean, because if you start reading into it, it takes too much. So that Q and A is ridiculous. Like I don't know, I don't know if I'm really a lettuce. I'm feeling a lettuce vibe from you know. Right, right, right. Sometimes people come up with ideas for burgers and that kind of shit, and it, there's an obvious association with right. this ghost thing. Made right, sense. yeah, there was ghost pepper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you made know? that made sense. And then so I mean, we might as well get into it. So that was it was awesome when I read it because. Thought it was hilarious, and I know you, you sent me a few it was pictures. Hilarious. The fucking hilarious! I was about to have a heart attack. <laughs> well, I didn't put it on my menu. <laughs> right. I mean, dude, I remember because you had done a broken hope burger because we had yep. just done our record, and that was yep. on like the thirtieth. You got your own fucking burger. Yeah. Oh, yeah and I because sure. you were and dropping, Moth, you were dropping it the next day, and you came up to me and you were like, "Hey, look at this shit." This is about to piss a lot of people off. Yep, I, I remember like, that. Godspeed. I, I remember Have fun that. Tomorrow, dude. Yeah, it was going to be whack as fuck. And it was. I mean, it was crushing. The big controversy was that there was a, a, a communion, communion wafer, wafer right? yeah, yeah. on yeah. the burger. Yeah. I'm not Catholic, so I have to, like, I'm reaching for the names. Like, what do you call that thing? You know, so I've seen the movies. It, some people called it a host. You know what I'm saying? It's the same. Like, I'm not Catholic either. So I don't, An unconsecrated un, host. It was unconsecrated, and this was the deal. So it was ghost pepper ale. I would guess it would be harder to get a consecrated one. Well, it would. found somebody that would have been that actually would have been wicked. I oh, think, you know, been, uh, right, no. Y'all would have burned walking in oh, the front man. door that morning. <laughs> well, so, it, I mean, and we've done it in indie sense also, but it, a red wine reduction, white cheddar, braised goat, and then um, this communion wafer on it, and people were pissed. Yeah, it was in, like, <laughs> national <laughs> news. It was in Time magazine. It was, yeah, yeah it was One of the most Time influential burgers of eater. all time. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's still talked about, and, like, yeah. fuck, I mean... People like that, it. It's a good burger is the thing. Yeah, I never got to try it. Wow. Last, I think I'll the last time you had on the menu time. is when the last time they, they rolled through town. Yep. Or maybe the last time a couple shows ago. If they roll, we'll do it. But I'll let you know next time because it's uh, it's substantial. But that is a case where, like, the ingredients did kind of fit, I guess, a little yeah, bit. You know? I mean, you have the goat and the fucking ghost, Dude, was the awesome. ghost pepper, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It was a stressful, 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 stressful. Yeah, that, that you got a lot of uh, media attention for what, about a good month there, right? Yeah, I mean, even past that, but really, like, the most crucial parts of that were, I mean, we had, like, police 
like undercover cops hanging out behind the restaurant. Like, yeah, like with, protests and shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You can go on YouTube and see video of the protests. They they Some did. Angry neurotic Catholics. Westboro. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, for the most part, because there's a Catholic church down the street from Kuma's uh, <laughs> oh, on Belmont, and so they would come down. Really playing to your base. Oh man, <laughs> they pray the rosary every Friday. They would actually the guy that like spearheaded this whole fucking thing ended up getting blasted because he's a pedophile. So fuck him. <laughs> right. uh, obviously, but yeah, they would come pray the rosary the entire thing. It's a couple um, two tree beads. It's long. <laughs> so they, they did it the first week, the second week, and they kept saying like, "Man, you guys got to take this off of there." And that the feedback was interesting because you would get these like super diehard Catholics that were like, "This is horrendous. I can't believe you would do this." And the flip side would the actual feet on the ground guys that were like working in the churches and shit that were like. Uh, you know what? I mean, they could have chosen better toppings, but really, I've got bigger things to worry about than the, and, <laughs> the burger. And, and, and it's not consecrated, so it's not really super offensive by any means. But what I love about all of this whole fucking story is it's funny because it's the first I've ever heard of, like of any sort of stress that, that caused because you guys unapologetically go out and just throw a middle finger up and be like, hey, if you don't like it, don't fucking come here. We're a heavy metal burger bar. We didn't tell you we were otherwise. Like, when you came in the door, you have to kind of, that's the contract. You accept what we do. Absolutely. But that's what I didn't get about that because I don't, did you ever have the impaled Nazarene? No, but that just sounds equally as controversial. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean <laughs> right. we're, we're going to go straight to finish black this. metal here. Right. They're losing their shit about this thing when we've done way more offensive mm. burgers. What the hell was on know. the Impaled Nazarene? Impaled Nazarene, I think it was. It, you got like a thousand burgers to remember. Come on. What's the yeah, ingredients? It, yeah. It Can't recall this? It was. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, Mike's got to remember red, fucking red drum onions. parts to. Have, who knows how many songs? 750,000 BPM. <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> uh, burgers it, per million? Yeah, it was like blue cheese or some like red onion and then I used a uh, fried garlic that I ate from the French laundry and just the process is fucked up yeah so like to get it to fry without burning yeah, no. But it, are you kind of the man behind all the burgers? I used to be very involved with that. Now I don't because I've got a chef doing these now. other things, you know? I but know. Yeah. That's why I always say, like, the better you get at your career, the farther away you get from doing the thing that you fell in love with. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Like, I love restaurants. Absolutely. And you're like, nah, I didn't love paperwork. No. Spreadsheets but and formulas that don't feed. Spreadsheets. Yeah. We were talking about this last night. Yeah, yeah, we were so, talking about it a minute ago when you walked away. He's like, I'm still fucking having a hard time with the spreadsheets. Yep. So I got to switch over to Mike for a second because you got a fucking burger named after you, so that's yeah. pretty badass. <laughs> but, I mean, I've, I've mentioned it a couple times and, and just fucking around with you, but, like, I mean, you do play in a, a stupid amount of bands um, and have played. <laughs> it is stupid. And you still, like, work a lot, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, in addition to the bands. Not, that's not work. I mean, that's obviously touring. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, you played The Atlas Moth, uh, Broken Hope. Yeah. Uh, fucking um, Kenny Liskol. Kenny Liskol and got some power mad in there. Power mad, yeah, yeah, dude. That's so some absolute th power. So that's pretty badass too, right? Like, <laughs> power mad's real cool just because you can, you know, fucking imagine, like, Nicholas Cage. Oh, dude, you know, yeah, exactly. Dancing at a metal show, you know. They lost slaughterhouse is playing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> so solid. <laughs> but so I mean, you you tour around quite a bit. I mean, we've been planning on having like some musicians and integrate some of that in because there is so much tie over from between restaurants. Oh and God, yeah. Chris, uh, my partner at the Inferno Room, and I always are talking about like you know we should just get together like a band of guys that are restaurant industry people and just do Monday night shows because the only night that we're ever off. Yeah, it's but solid. the unfortunate part is that we're all bass players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh, shit, that's and beautiful. And so you're like, well, we can have like seven bass players, exactly. but there can be nothing else. <laughs> yeah, boost the low end. So, um, yeah, give us a rundown of kind of what you got going on right now. I don't even know what, I mean, who are you, are you currently on tour? No, I am not. I mean, what's what's awesome is, is last year was kind of quiet. Broken Hope went to Japan for a little bit. That's so cool. that was righteous. And that was the extent of touring last year. But Atlas Moth is uh, back writing again. Got a couple other side projects going. Canyon of the Skull just put out a record. Mm-hmm. We're doing some dates. Some Pretty epic music, too. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. For our listeners, I, again, this is where I'm going to start having some people turn it off because they just don't like my musical interest. But, I mean, yeah, just like these 25, 30-minute fucking epic. Yeah, like, and it really challenges a musician rhythmically to play at those tempos. Oh, exactly. You know, and to keep, for, it, and for, keep for, it interesting. For, for, for half that an long. hour, yeah, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're playing quarter notes for yeah. 25 minutes. Absolutely. I mean, it's know. almost exhausting as doing like a 45-minute set of brutal death metal because there's no stop. It's like, what are you playing tonight? Well, we're playing the whole new record. It's 56 minutes and it's two songs. <laughs> right. And there's going to be one five-minute break where there's a solo acoustic part and that's it. Yep. <laughs> that's yep. funny. So this is like, so Chicago's got, what's the population of Chicago? Like four million? About three million proper, five Five, six million okay. if you include I'm urban. Just, Here's the small world. So a buddy of mine is a musician up there, drummer, plays in a, a couple projects and whatever. And I was like, ah, I wonder if he knows Mike. Yeah. I texted him yesterday. I'm like, you know him? He's like, ah, just kind of a little bit. Apparently, you have a guitar player that shares practice space with him. Here's a whole fucking giant city. Yeah, right. I played in a band with him for several years. Um, his name's Matt Jennings. And uh, Oh, yeah, Goat Load. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how small yeah, this shit yeah, is. Fucking but this hell. is what, an example of how many damn bands you play in because yeah. the first thing you say goes, he plays with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seems impossible to not know you. No. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Where are you guys practicing? Moth is still on Superior Street. We still share a room with Plaguebringer. Okay. And then Hong, the space where it goes. Load practices. We're down at Pilsen next to the uh, film studio. So that's a fourth project that I didn't mention, or yeah. fifth. Fifth. I don't even know how many. Like that that, that, one, that one's called Hung, and if you like uh, mid '90s Amrep, uh, that's definitely up your alley. Hell yeah! Noisy, so, a little bit whiny, a little bit super heavy. Every one of these projects is completely different. It's not like you're like got a ton of crossover. I mean, like you've got heavy death metal, broken hope, and with diverse beats from song to song. Like the, the newest album's badass. And I love. There's like a lot of really big nods to like thrash metal and oh like, dude it has to I'm be. a big thrash guy that's, so. where, that's exactly where I came from too why aren't any thrash beats on these old Broken Hope records like let's play some fast shit mm-hmm. let's go like, yeah, I, grew so up, I grew up listening to violence and shit two, like, right uh, uh, like what two albums two studio albums yeah with two them? studio albums one live one. Oh, so that's I've been right. with them since Jeremy reformed back in 2012 so it's going on almost 10 years that wow. we've been rolling. And for a long time, we Holy were going straight. I know. When you say 2012, it feels modern, right? It yeah, feels seriously. recently, but it's not. I mean, man, I wasn't even, and he was on tour for this. Yeah. Because that's how I met Luke when and Crust opened up for our comeback tour when we supported Obituary. And man, that's we were. Crazy. You were right before that. Though. Dude, it was. I, I remember I, I being in if LA. I knew what the time frame was on that. And everybody went to the Rainbow afterwards for the oh, after man. party, and I had to go back to our tour bus because I wasn't fucking 21 yet. Yep. <laughs> so everybody's hanging out with Lombardo and shit at the Rainbow, and I'm sitting in the back of the bus drinking Ryder Heineken. <laughs> so are you in the business as well, or yeah. like when you're off off tour and yeah. off, off work or practice? <laughs> exactly, you know? when I'm not sleeping. Um, so I manage a uh, coffee shop inside of Dark Matter Coffee's Roastery. Oh, right. So we're over there in the in the Ukrainian village. I've been with them just for almost five years Just a little, little unknown now. place. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and in, incidentally enough, I mean, we just opened our seventh cafe this week, which is directly across the street from OG Kuma's where Luke got his start. Wow. Yep. So, I mean, in terms of, you know, we're pretty serious partners in crime. Yep. I think this is one thing that if it has hasn't occurred to anybody that listened to the show yet. You know, I repeated it over and over again. Is just how closely knit this industry is, regardless of where you are. Like, I mean, worldwide. 
you know, when I got into Asia, I knew people. Like, I had connections to people. I didn't know them. Right, right, I mean, right, I had connections. Right. Like, you're always, like, two degrees of separation at max. Yep. And so, I mean, that's got to take up a lot of your time over there. Right? Oh, Like, God, are yeah. you, like, hardcore coffee geek? Like, uh, it, it turned me into one for sure. I mean, Dark Matter ruined me. I used to be able to go get a cup of coffee anywhere. And now just, like, developing a palate, mm-hmm. learning roast styles, I'm visiting other people. And see, you, you become biggie. It's, it's, it's exactly like beer. It's exactly like wine. It's exactly like spirits. Like, yeah, I really struggle it's a, with it's it. It's an art. I don't know why I struggle with it so much I guess because you just get so jacked up the more you drink of it so yeah, like yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I can't have like four cups of coffee and be like okay well, this one yourself. tastes like that and this one you know and that, and so I have a really hard time translating what I've learned through liquor and, and wine into coffee I mean yeah. I get it I understand that it exists I just can't wrap my brain around it yet well, it's and, and, and somebody like Dark Matter they're doing a lot of sh- like experimentation with yeah. fermentation styles right. and yeah. introducing so that throws in the extra variables that, you know, right? it does I mean we've got like, a crew down in Guatemala right now playing with yeast experiments with coffee it's wow. wild that's awesome yeah you got the beans you got the yeast you've got how you roast it you've got like all the processing it's just a lot so you know? many variables so many even have, I remember one time I went, I went Seattle. I met up with my buddy Mikey, um, and he had to quit drinking because of a liver issue he had. He had just moved there, and he was like, I'm going to get into coffee. Yeah. And he was deep, and he was like, he gave me these specific instructions, like, go over to this joint and get, like, this Ethiopian bean on this roast and get it in this style of brewing it, however they did it. Like, I can think it was, like, a Chemex, I think. Mm, Yeah, some sort of um, And then I went back the next day. I was like, okay, I'm going to experiment a little bit. And I got it a different way, but the same bean and everything else. And it was right. fucking terrible. Yeah. Like it was, I mean, it wasn't even the same thing at all. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's when I was like, oh, I can't wrap my head around this. You know? <laughs> I've dedicated too many hours to rum already. Oh, you know? exactly. Wait, I was going to say, it's, I mean, it's, it's not like entirely different than that. You yeah. know, I mean, there's a process and a, uh, a system and a fucking history for anything. So if you can, you know, if you apply maybe right. some of the ideas that exist there to coffee it's the same but I, I agree it's a I mean you guys are doing a lot of wild shit that nobody else is doing oh god yeah I it's mean in, we've it's been, intriguing to watch uh, it grow too It's a, it's been wild and to see people pick up on kind of meddling in the, the fermentation process barrel aging things cast conditioning things like uh, I brought him some coffee I'll give you a can but we conditioned uh, coffee in Malort because it's Chicago, Chicago. <laughs> but the, the results are pretty fantastic man Really, you get I some citrus towards the end. You get some it, yeah. sweetness in there. I, mean, I like, could see that working. Yeah, so I, it's it's shit like that. You I'll tell stay you what, curious. man. I was pretty skeptical to start out with, but it is. Tasty. Yeah, Malort's brutal. It about the, oh, like about the coffee in general mm-hmm. or the Malort? Yeah, I can deal with Malort. I'm not but. a Chicagoan, but I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, all right, Malort's not so much. I mean, people make a bigger deal out of it. I've had way more intense stuff. And there's one I can't remember now, but I think House Alpins has it in their book. It is the bitterest, most Intense shit I think I've ever tried. I mean, Aquavit kind of tops up there, too. That's that's brutal. Aquavit? You think so? Or some good old chartreuse. It's so sweet and I sticky. Mess with it. I feel like the Malort thing, and I don't know, maybe it was around the time that we opened up here when it started being able, you, you could get it outside right, of Chicago. Yeah, it, right, you're right. exactly right. It was yeah. not available in Indiana. I don't think it was available outside of Chicago at all yeah. until about the time that you guys opened here. When we opened, we had a Bosca Schnapps on uh, Solid. Graf. That's fucking awesome. You know what? Because fuck it. And it was fine. Yeah. It, it was considerably smoother than uh, Jepson's. But as soon as it was available, we started carrying it. And, we, I mean, we would just give people samples of it. I had a, a girl who was a busser. I would laugh because some of the servers would come in and say, like, man, this is garbage. You can't sell it. Nobody want, Nobody's drinking this. And I said, you're full of shit because, look, she just sold 10 shots right. of this. Yeah. And it literally was just like, here, try this. Yeah, there's some real cool things coming out of Chicago that you can really only get regionally. 
you know, mm-hmm. and so it, like you said, it, you couldn't even get the Jepsons outside of Chicago until yep. five years ago. Super recently, yeah, four or five years. Ago. Yeah, I guess yep. that's probably about when I met you, when you were like yep. starting to like scope. You guys hadn't signed a lease, I, I don't think. I think you were why. still scoping out, and you were with the, one of the other partners. Well, and I think I, something happened. I think we came over there, and you guys were closed. I put something on Twitter like, "Yo, open up." I'm trying to eat. <laughs> uh, Did yeah. we open? Yeah, yeah, no. I, don't, I don't think so. Yeah, well, probably not. I, I was fucking starving, and I don't think you guys opened, so it didn't matter. But, <laughs> Who the fuck uh, is this guy? Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> right, uh, right. I, I was, uh, but we came back later, and it was amazing. So, God, that was a long time ago. It, it feels like a lot of years in between, and I've known your wife, now wife, before yep. she was your wife. And yep. like, she was one of our earliest customers into our, my first place. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little over a decade now that I've yeah. known her. Yeah, so I, I know believe- like time goes real quick. You young and just wait till you get to our age, Mikey. Oh, God. Oh, well, you just got married, too. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So now you've got a new marriage. Oh, yeah. Five bands and a manager job to worry about. Nah. So that's ten, mar- ten marriages. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. How many members are in each one? Uh, I, know. I always joke around with my business partners. I'm like, in a lot of ways, you and I are more married than mm-hmm. my wife and I are married. You know, like, closer, yeah. Yeah, splitting up a business is probably a lot more difficult. You know, we yeah. haven't had to do it yet, but, you know, we haven't had any Fallings out yet. Yeah. You said you guys are going to be opening in Denver. What area of Denver are we looking at? I'm trying to think of the name of the the neighborhood. Um, but you see, Denver's out west, <laughs> right? West is left. There's weed out okay, there. That's le- well, yeah, there is. You can't even say that now. now. Weed I was weed say, at a time, that was pretty rare, but now over half the states in the country now have legalized cannabis in some shape. What do you think they're going to do here? And I know you're involved on a, uh, a, an elevated level. Um, um, a little bit more viscerally now than I used thing. to be yeah. because um, after we signed the lease on the on the Inferno room, that took all the time and money. So I haven't been to like any investor meetings or anything yeah, like yeah. that. I used to do all the conferences and all yep. that and go to the trade shows. I think Indiana's not going to have a fucking choice soon because with Illinois and Michigan both having adult use, 21 and over cannabis, I, that's two out of four border states. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Plus you have uh, medical in Ohio and Kentucky's jumped pretty heavily anyway from my understanding into hemp. Mm-hmm. Um, growing industrial hemp. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, that's, that's got you sandwiched in between all of them. So I think the hand's going to be forced by the lawmakers. I mean, that that's my presumption. Again, I, I know a few lobbyists in town. I don't involve myself too heavily just because I look like the guy that everybody expects to be saying, you know, there should be legal weed, man. I think that we would probably be likely to see medical before anything. But, you know, again, I don't know the way the cards are going. You know, we might see federal legalization before anything. It's totally possible. But, but then there's also the other side of that coin where, like in Michigan, where they legalized adult use, which is funny that we're all saying adult use because I know Steve D'Angelo um, from Harborside in Oakland, but he was the one that was pushing for everybody to stop saying recreational and start <laughs> saying adult use because yeah. he's like, recreational sounds like you want to go do drugs. Right, right, adult right. Adult use sounds yep. like alcohol. Yeah, and right. So yeah, I can say that. He pushed for that real hard. Now everybody says it. <laughs> like, he won. Like, <laughs> he, he fucking won. Solid. It. Solid. Also helps he runs like you know the largest fucking dispensary in the country in michigan uh where it's adult use a lot of towns and municipalities opted out or at least delayed it even detroit i think delayed it till january 31st which is a few more weeks but like they could have legally done it december 1st and so you know they had a medical system in place a good friend of mine mark passerini was the owner of ohm of medicine in, in ann arbor and he was really instrumental in a lot of the uh, legalization kind of movements in Michigan as mm-hmm. well. So, yeah, I've got some fingers there, like, just kind of keeping my finger on the pulse just because yep. there's some really good people up there that are really pushing hard. A friend of mine, Drew, that's, uh, was paralyzed, and, and he's, you know, helped, was instrumental in that as well. And so medically, it's important, and I think that's why we will probably end up seeing that before 
maybe recreational, unless the Fed tips and you know that's the big conspiracy well, theory right is well, that yeah, exactly. the fucking orangutan is gonna fucking legalize federal <laughs> just to like try to salvage an election to, uh, <laughs> you want to win the popular vote that's how you I mean shit don't get any ideas he's not listening is he? no he's, no, he's not he's watching Fox right now <laughs> right. I'm, I'm tweeting <laughs> what were the tax rate on it up there is crazy right oh it's brutal the, I mean yeah, from yeah. what I've heard a, a, an, an eighth is gonna cost you about 60 right now oh. 60 to 80 well that was the big fear when Colorado because I was in Colorado I think about a week after it was for sale mm. like recreation or adult use and everybody was like ah the black market's still gonna like take over the, mm-hmm. or still gonna rule yeah, yeah, the yeah. state because yep. no one's going to pay these incredibly high tax rates right. to like smoke legally and they were wrong I mean yeah. like if the choice is like legally buying and knowing what you're getting and it's lab tested mm-hmm. and you don't have to deal with some shady dude no, exactly. and when he tells you it's whatever pineapple kush you know that it is and it's not some bullshit so yeah, I mean, it's like buying booze from some dude on the street, you know? Yeah, exactly. If you have a choice to go to a liquor Which store. nobody would think of doing. <laughs> right, that, that, exactly. sounds, that sounds obscene. So you were asking me about Vietnam earlier, Luke, and I think I told this story a couple episodes back, but while I was in Vietnam, the last day there, we were hanging out and just like on those squat stools on the sidewalk and decided to stop and eat um, some food this lady had. And this dude, like, passes me, like, a water bottle. And I was like, nah, it's okay, man, I got some water, you know? But he doesn't really speak any English, and I don't really speak any Vietnamese. And he's like, kind of take, get me to take it. <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. I got, I got water, man. And then he like motions for me to like take the lid off and smell it. And I was like, ah, it's hooch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So I did. I drank alcohol off the street. Oh, and, man. And I, it wasn't uh, as boozy as I thought it would be, but it was definitely some sort of a rice based distillate. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to guess, I mean, again, I've been, you know, tasting booze for so many years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's hard for some people, but I, I, I would guess it probably came around 35% alcohol. So, I mean, it was distilled. I'm sure there was no cuts. So, yeah, I, yeah. Not, not entirely right. Molly Crew in prison, fucking, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, some good old toilet wine, you know? I mean, I would highly recommend checking checking out Hanoi. And we were talking about, you say you want to take your, your dad there. Yeah. And, I've never been to that uh, part of the world. And the places that we have traveled, you know, we always tra- will fly someplace and then travel by car. It's, so you travel a lot, though. So do you. No. So does he. No, 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 no. Well, he has to for work. You I properly, Chris. Right. I, uh, <laughs> I only put stuff up from travel, so when I'm not traveling, I don't put a picture of like, hey, here I am at work again, bored off right. my ass. <laughs> you guys are constantly gone. Like, I mean, I don't mean that you're never at work, but like, you, if you have two days off, you're like, yeah, fuck we it, can. we can go to Finland in two days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, you you really have enabled yourself in your travel. I'm mean, now that that's that's all done with now because you, you got a kid. No, we're going <laughs> to Phoenix on Friday. Are you really? Yep. Oh Jesus, really? But yeah. solid. You are <laughs> have somehow hacked the system, and I, I've got to like learn yep. from you how you travel so inexpensively and yep, go to all the these deal. places. You've been more to more countries than anybody I know outside the it's, military. I think the advent of sort of the involvement of tech in tracking prices and that yeah. sort of thing has oh, really shit, like I mean, Hopper and whatnot. Yeah. Hopper, but I mean, really, even like Google Flights and, mm-hmm. and being able to set alerts has really. I mean, we went to see y'all in the Netherlands. Yeah, flew out. <laughs> which to which see, y'all? Uh, uh, Broken Hope. Okay. <laughs> it, it so happened that we were we were playing this really bomb ass festival, and Emperor had been to be headlining yeah. one of the days. So fucking cool. But it, it was awesome. But I think we did that for like $220 round That's trip from Chicago to Amsterdam. So it really just tracking those <laughs> things. Yeah. Yeah. A personally engraved bottle at Heineken. I did do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? That Heineken's Heineken a cool tour. tour. The, the Heineken yeah. tour was cool. And I heard a lot of people talk shit about what it. What I think we I like about the Heineken awesome. tour is that they accept it for what it is. Yep. That they're not trying to like blow a bunch of smoke up your ass and like, hey, here's some fermenters, but like we don't really use those. But they look just like that. Yeah. Like they're like, hey, 
let's have fun. And so yep. they have all that like interactivity and shit. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. it, it, it was cool. And Movies I, and stuff. They have that like a 4D thing. You know, you know what? I mean, and there is a lot of history in that shit. For yeah. real. I mean, and we, I didn't realize how just how many breweries they had until I went oh, there man. and did that tour. And I'm like, holy mm. fuck. Yeah. How many? And that's when you start uh, seeing the tie-ins, the Affleckham and all that other stuff. Too, mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. just these different companies that they own and, mm-hmm. and, and sort of operate. But I didn't realize um, they, 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 they have the yeah. entirety of Lagunitas now, don't they? Did they entirely sell I think actually that makes sense to me be, yeah. and I don't know I can, sure. you can find Lagunitas all over Europe now because well, of that well and Newcastle mm. ah, and that's why because Newcastle now is brewed by Lagunitas ah, so we talk right. about this all the time on the show but like you know these these brands are like classic old school stuff and when we talk about old school I'm talking like hundreds of years like yeah, we talk yeah. about like you know the Belgian stuff and getting into yep. like some of those but it's in this race to like be the newest, coolest slushy beer or whatever, yeah, yeah. like everybody keeps forgetting. I always um, give a lot of respect to Sierra Nevada because other than, without right. them, yes. probably none of us, at least at our age, would be into craft beer whatsoever. Absolutely, yeah. didn't even Absolutely. call it craft back then, right? It was like microbrew. No, it was just mm-hmm. guy in his <laughs> right. freaking garage. You know, like exactly. guy make something that. Thank he you for letting me do this, else. Jimmy Carter. <laughs> you know, yeah, right, 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 right. It was like yeast in the bottle, and yeah. you're like, oh my god, there's actually <sighs> yeast yeah, in the bottle. You know, how do I how do I pour this? Yeah, um, yeah. And so, and I think that's largely been forgotten in this like race to be different and differentiate yourself. L- luckily, the hop wars are over. So we don't have to like you know like this is four thousand oh ideas my, yes, you know absolutely. we got a little yeah. out of control the, the there. The most undrinkable thing you yeah. can possibly imagine. It's just delicious. And that's coming Flash from a Chicago and the drinks Malort. <laughs> you know, uh, right, right. Spears one hundred and fifty IBUs. Go fuck yourself. Have a shot of Malort. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Heineken has a reach. I mean, all those gigantic companies do more than you have any idea. Mm-hmm. It's, you know. Um, I mean, that's what they want, right? They don't want us realizing exactly what they've done and how many places they own. And they're just all under their umbrella, but. On our end of the industry, I find that stuff fascinating. Yeah, I used to work for a guy that was really big into, like you just said, making beer at home, yep. and he would make the clones and stuff of yeah. like mm-hmm. Bell's stuff back in the early or mid '90s when yeah, Bell's yeah. was nobody was trying to copy it because nobody even knew what it was. Right? Yeah. How would you? And you didn't have the internet to give you the instructions. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And he was always fascinated with Budweiser, and I'm like, why are you so fascinated with this man? You make all this beer at home and stuff, yeah. and and again, micro brews, not craft beer back then. And he said. Because there's nothing so fascinating to me as like the fact that they make this much beer consistently, consistently. tasting it exactly yeah. the same way. Exactly. No matter where you are in the world, the Budweiser tastes like a Budweiser. Mm-hmm. And I was Unless like, that's, in the Czech Republic. that's Bud bar. Czech bar. Whatever yep. it is that month. Yep, Czech bar. It's so good. I like that. Cheaper I, than water. Bar is awesome, yeah. I mean, they've got that down to a science. I've had conversations with brewers. It's a, a another polarizing thing, but, like, some people love it, some people hate it, but you cannot deny that. Right. I mean, they have a handle on what they're doing. Oh, yeah. they, I mean, they control everything. Well, I do think that it's interesting in, you know, 2020 now uh, with a lot of all these craft brewers up, but you see them, a lot of them don't have flagship products. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just making whatever they feel like batch to batch to batch to batch, so there's no real... I guess intent for like consistency because they don't have to. Right. So you don't really have to drill down and like, oh fuck, we fucked this one up. It doesn't taste the same. Toss it out. You know. I, you you're given the like leeway to be different with from batch to batch. Right. And see, I don't know how from a spirits perspective. I think people have like brands and shit that mm-hmm. they look for specifically, and mm-hmm. there are things they tie themselves to. I think that you see some of that with crap beer but also kind of like we were talking about earlier with the untapped culture and all sure, this kind of man. stuff like man, trying as much yeah, as possible 180,000 check-ins to so I can get my badges and all that kind of stuff no, exactly. and obviously like I like untapped I think it's cool mm-hmm. and, and um, you know it uh, 
allows me to remember the shit that I drink when I have seven and <laughs> yeah, there's no exactly. way. But um, I can't keep but track of what I you drink at night. And like you post that shit up, like I already lost. Yeah, yeah. Lost. It's just, but I think that's why, because you know what? Then there's no impetus to have a consi- like you said. Right. I mean, yeah, that's a really exactly. good point. Exactly. Mm. It loosens you up a little bit. So I'm like, you're traveling around the world a lot too. Is there any like thing that you're looking for when you go rolling into a city, getting other than like getting to the show, make sure it sounds yeah, good? Exactly. Like, this is like the least you've talked about music on a podcast, probably. Yeah, right? which like, is solid. No, I, like, I, I, I hope you have some George Fisher story about going into Target with flip flops. Oh God, no, I mean, yeah. it's, it's usually after. I mean, last year we Target. Got, of course, it's Target, you know, though, right? Well, it was it was, it was Walmart Target last year, oh. and then you know we got robbed on the road and I lost all my clothes, so it was like okay, I can Did buy a pair of shoes for three dollars. Yeah. So we get a lot of people coming into here that are like... um, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. The Breaking Bad (laughs) of fucking Canada. Wow. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah, the reason I asked that is because here, we get a lot of musicians that come through here Mm. because it's like they collect tiki bars, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cities usually don't have... They have one or two, if at all. And so it's you can kind of like just, again, notch your belt. Like, okay, I checked that one off the list. And so we've had several people. There's like a dude from the Secret Service that comes in here all the time. That's on Mike Pence's detail. There's like the production company that runs Timberlake's crew, production company that like ran Hugh Jackman's tour. Mm -hmm. Came through. We actually bartended over there for Jackman. Um, Oh, that's awesome. So, but it's because they're all into Tiki, right? It's just like this weird thing to like have some sort of, I guess, like consistency from city to city to city mm. you know that they can all get together and do a thing yeah exactly you know is there like you have any like the, the only or, like sense of normalcy or, that you're like, finding you hunt down right exactly are you hunting down like craft beer bars or I mean, like, coffee or anything and it's it's not even craft beer i think and especially when you get to places like germany and czech republic mm-hmm. and any kind of that eastern part of europe where every single town you go to has its own brewery right mm. so it's seeking that shit out for that, a thousand that's a lot years. around yeah for a thousand years and they've been doing the same thing following the reinheitsgebot or what the hell ever you know and they started in a toilet now they're in a proper facility. Yep. But that's what I really enjoy in Europe is finding the old traditions, traditional food, traditional beer. And that's what I think you. that's really fascinating, uh, you know, because I, like you said before the Internet, Luke, you know, like there wasn't as much knowledge out there. And I know a few guys that were touring in the 80s and stuff. They mm. were like going to old dusty bottle shops to see if they could find a bottle right. of booze that yeah. was extinct. But those that was pretty few and far between. It was mostly mm. just parties and like, let's go fucking get crazy. Yeah. And the fact that there's so much knowledge out there that you can appreciate no, you know yeah, like, exactly look up like what are they brew in this town yeah, what, what are they, they doing what what are they, they, what's the food here what weird thing what's can the I coolest shove in my fucking mouth? spot you've been to so far there's a, like a market that we went to in the center of uh budapest opposite this old bridge that they shut down once a year and have a giant party over and like you could get you know whatever there's sausages hanging there there was these weird street foods you can get and that's probably one of the most fantastical images that immediately comes to my mind with a question like that it's just being fully immersed in some country's culture by walking into this manic open air market where you can just get anything you can think mm-hmm. of there's a place in uh we had a turkish tour manager a couple of years ago and when we were in europe we played vienna and he took us to the open air turkish market and that was the same way and he sat us down he found us a really good restaurant and had some really good fare and it was that's the shit that always sticks in my mind is a really good meal or a really good beverage I'm, I'm jealous of here. I'm turning green. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you talk about European markets. Like, yeah, it's so there's, good. There's nothing like it, man. You no, know? it's beautiful. I mean, obviously Asia as well, but they're just so different. There's, I don't know. There's this like romance of, of European markets. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, or even just the, the cobblestone town center with a little fountain that everybody yeah, gathers around right. at the Christmas time and shit. You know? Yes. Some of that, we... We went to. It's so damn charming. Uh, <laughs> we went to Nuremberg a couple years ago. 
I, just, I remember we went into this little, uh, this like tiny little brewery, that, it, same thing, it's been there for like a thousand years. And we're sitting there at the bar and they've got like it, just copper everything, mm. you know, and it, I look to the left while I'm eating and um, there's a little window in a door and a guy knocked on it and the bartender poured a beer and just brought it over to the window and opened the window and handed it to the guy. It blew my fucking mind. This is the most perfect thing I've seen. This that is, is beautiful. You know, and he probably just got off of work and this is some like setup that they have or whatever mm. it is, but it's just a different culture altogether. I thought it was wicked. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, like it's, and you get to see it in a much more condensed way than, yeah. than we get to, you know, like when you are literally going country to country to country in, yeah. in like a couple of weeks. And you, but, you barely have more than maybe three or four hours a day. Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask. Like, how much yeah. time do you really have? Not I mean, a lot. You've got to be driven to actually go out and find that shit. Yeah, you instead really of just do. lying around and sleeping. Exactly. I mean, that's, you know, you, you load in at like, you know, two or three o'clock, and then you do your sound check, and then you've got a couple hours before doors, and that's really the only time you get to kind of run around and see what you kind of want to see real quick. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's real cool. And so, I, I'm guessing, I mean, I know from when we were on the road with y'all, like, there's some days you're not doing anything. Oh, yeah. Uh, you exactly. know, I mean, if you, I imagine if you get on a plane and you fly 18 hours to Tokyo, <laughs> right, you get yeah. off, you're not going to really feel up to uh, uh, going out and doing karaoke. No, exactly. You know, so especially if it ends with staying at the airport for 17 hours oh, because man. a typhoon oh, just I hit. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, man. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. But you survived. We did. Any, I've, shit, dude, like I said, <sighs> we just traveled a bit in the fall, and as anybody listens to the show knows, and it's, there was a lot of debacles in the airport involving mostly, my wife consuming too many edibles and trying to go through fucking immigration. Ah, solid. Yeah. solid. There's on the way to Singapore, on the way to one of my favorite bars. Yeah. Like it's just, it's totally different, uh, fucking culture there. And it's, I, I loved it, man. I mean, I, if I, if you ever, uh, hear of me disappearing, I'm probably in Thailand somewhere. <laughs> duly, duly Thailand or Vietnam, duly that's where noted. you'll find me. Or not Thailand. find me. Or not, yeah. <laughs> um, when you travel, do you use any, like, Google Translate or any of this kind of stuff? So, a little bit, because I, um, this was, usually when I travel, um, I speak Spanish relatively well, so okay. I don't have to worry about that. And so, if, if I'm in Europe, if I don't speak the language, I'll usually ask, hey, do you speak Spanish? Because, right. you know... Um, usually we can find some sort of common ground. Mm -hmm. Asia was a different story. And so because I was out on my own a lot in Bangkok, um, there were times when I had to like resort to Google Translate. And especially with like um, like Thai and Vietnamese, the translation wasn't great, but it would get the job done, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. I work with so many people whose first language is not English yeah. over the last, you know, 15 years that I've... Learn to not get too flowery with my language, like get to the point, yeah. you know, yep. use words yep. that are easier to understand. Yeah. So uh, Google Translate works best mm -hmm. when you do that as well, instead of like typing it out as you would speak. Right. And so I try to stay conscious of that. And I mean, I didn't really have any issues. Um, instead, I was solo on my own most nights um, because none of nobody that I was with uh, was really a drinker. Yeah. And so right. it was, it was like, exactly. hey, I want to stay out till 3 a.m. You know, and they're like, no. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I got lost in Hanoi. But yeah, Google Translate works. What do you know, guys Knowing do? a couple languages. I mean, man, usually if we're on tour, we usually have a promoter or a guy. You've got us. like somebody that's, that's like specifically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like when we were in when we were in uh, Japan this past year, I mean, our 
our tour manager backslash promoter was with us at all times and helped us take every single train because it was we were properly commuting. It mm. was you wake up in the morning, you meet outside the hotel, and then we're going to take three trains to get to the bullet train, and then after the bullet train, you're going to take two more trains, and then you're going to walk this distance in order to get to the wow. venue. So it was proper. You needed somebody that could navigate sure. and properly help you along. And so yeah, I try to keep yourself. my transportation down to a minimum when it comes down to that because, yeah, I get... I get flustered on public transport. Oh, God, yeah. And so, like, Absolutely. I need no more yeah. than one connection. Like, am I going and then connect? I'm good. But if it could, requires three buses and two trains, yeah, I'm never exactly. going to get there on it's my brutal. own. That's, that's why we always drive, though, also, because um, it's so cheap to, like, right. you, were, you were talking about the hop all over the place. Um, if you can rent a car and go anywhere you want to, who the fuck knows? Because yeah. we don't. I, I don't want to be in or be required to be in one place for a week yeah. and a half, you know. So, it, and if you see something cool, there's so much to see that you have no, it's not even documented that mm-hmm. if you want to just get in the car and fucking blast, then yeah. you can, you yeah. know. Um, should we fucking try this 1349? I think we should try this 1349 beer. Ooh, what do you got? Because I want to see how old it is. We have this Black Hill that uh, was a collaboration with Surly and the band 1349. Yeah. Of dubious origin, though. I don't know if there's a bottling date on it. <laughs> it's got to be. I, who knows? I mean, I I remember when this came out, and it was a long time ago. I don't. Oh my god! That. And this is the Norwegian release too. This yes. isn't even necessarily a release. That was what was pretty wicked about being in Bangkok is that um, I didn't realize that like McKellar had three fucking tap rooms there. <laughs> I guess not really tap rooms, but like I mean, because they they got everybody's beer there. But it it was huge. There's a huge craft brew scene. Uh, in Asia, mm. uh, it seems like a lot of it stems out of China. I interviewed uh, Sylvester Fedor um, on one of the shows who worked with uh, Young Master and several other breweries. And when he was working for McKellar when I was in Bangkok, and we had a, we had a great time, man. I was shocked at how robust the craft beer scene oh, was. Oh man, I, just, you know, you I live in your it. bubble and you just kind of forget, you know, that oh, exactly. you know we're not the center of the universe. It's funny you bring up McKellar because when we were in uh, when we were in Tokyo, McKellar was getting ready to do their uh, annual beer celebration there that they always do in the heart oh, of Shibuya, yeah. and I missed it by a day, and I was so pissed. So when you were in Japan, like, did you, it sounds like you had more than just a, a day. Like, yeah, obviously that would be a hell of a trip. <laughs> I always got one date, and then we're back to Europe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, we. <laughs> We landed in Tokyo and then had to make the trip to Osaka. Mm. And played there, spent a night there, and then we were in. How was Osaka, man? Osaka, I heard it was like, Osaka like musically. Was cool. I heard it was a really like cool like art scene. There's no, actually, it's music pretty. Scene. It's pretty hip over there, man. I really enjoyed it. I didn't. Somebody had categorized it to me as like uh, the Logan Square of uh, Japan, if you will, which is like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hip, it's artsy. There's a lot of cool, new, exciting things going on. So that was pretty righteous, and. Uh, didn't get to spend too much time there. I mean, Tokyo was the most time that we had there, but that was pretty. I mean, we hung around Shibuya for a day, went out and about and saw some sights and whatnot. I haven't been yet. It just seems like a lot to tackle. Like, it's, you know, it's overwhelming. It's just, if there's one thing I could call Japan, it was overwhelming. Yeah. There's so much, so many things. So and it's many on people. the list, but like we like, said, you know, there's like that list is long now, and I, I get very few, you know, days off. And so to yeah. take a vacation for, for two weeks is very difficult. And, if we're anywhere near Asia, we have to go to Thailand. Yeah, absolutely. To see family. So, like, if it were in Japan, it's like, well, you're only six-hour flight away. So then you are required to make a yes. second trip. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it makes, the, you know, that two-week trip very hectic. And yeah. so it's also, I heard, quite pricey. I'm not sure if that's true or not. But I would totally believe that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would okay. absolutely believe that. You were there. Right. I don't know that number, but I don't doubt Ooh, that, that number. That smells awesome. I don't know. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Let's see what happens. Cheers, guys. Cheers. It could be amazing. It could be soy sauce. Yeah, I'm down with that. I don't hate that. No, no. It tastes a lot better than I thought it was going to. Oh, God, yeah. For a beer that's probably numerous years old. Oh, it still could probably sit for another four. Mm Mm-hmm. That's interesting. 
Um, oh, imported by Shelton Brothers. Homies. I, I, I feel like I've had a couple of bottles of this. Whenever you came that one time, we went to Party Pack, which is like... Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That beer selection blew my fucking ever. So that place has been like that. I used to live right by uh, Party Pack when I was very, very young, and it's always been like that, and I don't know why. Because it looks like just like the shittiest... Well, it's like even before you could get that stuff. Yeah, it was yeah. like, how do you guys... And like, who buys it? Nobody yeah. comes here. Everybody's here. The cobwebs that were sitting on this shit right. was impeccable. Oh, man. And at the same time, they're almost threatening to close down the store because some dude's getting shitty over his case of Budweiser. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. like, uh, all right, man. Hey, I love yeah, this you place. Were, hey, there's all the time. For and they have all those like fucking fluorescent lights like all the way cranked mm, up. Yes. You walk in and you're like retinas burn out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, I feel like I, you were talking about McKellar. You got that uh, Mastodon beer there. Yes. I, didn't, I, don't, I don't know that I, I have, had had it. Or even seen it right, right, right. anywhere before then. And the same thing for this, this 1349 beer. Well, it's funny, so that you've poured this now, but I was going to mention that earlier, but we are starting to see more of that, uh, I guess, collaboration between like metal bands mm-hmm. and like breweries. Um, you know, Three Floyds has done some stuff. Like you said, we've got this 1349 in front of us. I didn't even know about the McKellar Mastodon beer. Like, yeah, that, you know. that one was fantastic. And that had our coffee in it, too. I mean, oh, we're did the it really? same way. We've worked with Mastodon. We've worked with Refused. We've worked with uh, Rise Against, Against Me. Judas Priest? Judas Priest, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Which was a direct great. result of the Mastodon collab in the beginning. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Yeah. So that's what was cool about that McKellar beer is that it had Dark Matter coffee in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. It's just going. It's, it's everywhere. It is, it's interesting how I think, I don't want to say it's like mainstreaming it, but it's... I think putting that more out into the public because, you know, drinkers that are just like beer geeks mm. that maybe aren't necessarily metalheads are like now getting exposed to like, now what is this again? You know? Oh, exactly. <laughs> it's that weird cross-culture pollination. It is. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's a product? And maybe I'm reaching here. Mm. But I mean, you think that's a product of like dudes like you that are like touring and you're hitting like breweries as you do it? And oh, yeah. Like, you know? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's everybody being curious. It's everybody wondering what's cool, what's new, what's yeah. It's like that thing you've like done co- forever. Collecting your breweries, right? Yeah, like you go to exactly. a city. Hey, I've been to these breweries. Yeah. And, and doing a collab, that's pretty awesome. I mean, it's, it's cooler than doing awesome. a T-shirt. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I think it's also a testament too to maybe how many people who are musicians who are also in this industry. And right. I think that's where the crossover goes too. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, this is what these are the two things I know for sure. So we might as well combine them. Yeah. I would say probably more people than not are musicians in this business. Yeah, absolutely. There's a way to be able to do both. Right. And not sleep. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Well, most people, you know, be a drummer of one band, not four simultaneously. <laughs> do you ever uh, listen to Tombs, this band, the, the Mike Hill band? Yeah, Tombs. Kind of like a black black metal. Oh, he's, yeah, got yeah. Own, he's, like, he's got his own coffee thing going. Well, yeah, really? I think because mm-hmm. he works out all the time, and this is his fucking thing. And it, they played in the garage at Kuma's. Oh, really? Yeah, a few years loud ago. Loud as fuck. I never get to do oh, anything. It was wicked. It was wicked. <laughs> because you guys do all that shit on weekends. I never get to. I, I we didn't even see. touch on that. Like the Kuma's doing all these like shows because you've got yeah. that extra space across the street. We we, we played in the garage once. That was fun. We've eased. It sounds good in there. I don't it know. does. I mean, it, it's. Um, yeah, we we used to do more than we do now, but um, we'll eventually get back to it. Uh, but I had a conversation with him. Just regarding why do musicians um, or why do people that play in bands have a tendency to gravitate towards this kind of work? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's the tie together? Whether it's, you know, he's got a coffee company. I think he, he was doing um, some 
uh, soaps and that sort of thing too. And you sit down and talk to this guy, and it he comes from like a now I don't want to say Wall Street, but like a tra- sort of an office trader sure, background, yeah. and he gave it all up so that he could tour and fucking make coffee and it, it's just an interesting uh, very... It, I think it is too I, I, I don't know where the parallel is I think there's maybe a lot of you know variables there but I don't know the independence I guess or just the fact that we're all a bunch of fucking misfits and you right, know right. You I mean know, it, it, his, it's like shaking a, a sieve like we were just like the yeah. things that came out and yeah. you're like alright put it all in one group you know yeah, exactly. I don't it, it's because everybody I know I mean except for the people that do it professionally and by you know like musicians who also like run studios or something like right, that right. you know what I'm saying like it, you have to work someplace that offers some level of flexibility mm-hmm. well right exactly yeah. you know and, and that's, that's I think that probably time. is a large part of why musicians end up doing this because you know you can take two weeks off without having to have a two week vacation right. time yeah exactly you just be like oh okay well I guess we'll yep. figure out how to be without you for two weeks mm-hmm. yep even though it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah. it's a place for the creatives too, because man, like hell, if I could sit down at a desk job every day, like I, oh, that's man. not possible. I, I did think... it for two years. It was a fucking did you? nightmare. Like... I was real young. I mean, I was like 21, 22 because I was doing this by 23. You can't yeah, try to get I a mean, musician to sit still. It doesn't work. Yeah. It's <laughs> office space, the office, all that's exactly just spot on. Lumber, it's just, yeah. yeah. People think that's funny for a reason because they live that every day. Oh, you yeah. Know? Like, my dad but, finds Dilbert fascinating. I will never get one. <laughs> I didn't live that life. I love Dilbert. I love Dilbert. Finds it hilarious. You know what, though? When I worked in an office, I did have a fucking Dilbert. Like, I remember there was one. I think it was just said, hey, mom, you know what a cubicle is? And she just responded like, no. And he goes, well, imagine the worst place in the fucking world and now imagine the best place and imagine you could never fucking go there because you work in a box because <laughs> you work in the worst place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's... I, I could never do it again. I mean, I, I can safely say now at 43 years old there's no chance of me going back to any sort of desk job. It's already become more desky than I like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but why did the... Why... Like, my folks did things that they... Were, were really difficult for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, I mean, they didn't work desk jobs, but, you know, just the same, like, uh, I think now you have a lot of choice and a lot of, like you're saying, flexibility, true, right. things that you can do. Yeah. And um, people aren't motivated entirely by fear anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Fucking do this soul crushing thing for, you know, 70 years. Well, you can't anyway. I mean, you're going to get end up laid off if you work a job job. Yes. You know? Yep. Absolutely. It's it's it, the, the parallels are fascinating, but like I said, unfortunately, we're all bass players, so <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's where the bass players go to retire. Like, I'm not like a kidding. Melvin's tribute album. We have at least. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. We have at least let's see one, two, three, like seven bass players on staff just between here and next door. <laughs> like holy cow! Like damn it, we can't. They got to do a record. We can't do anything. Yeah, right. They I mean, do a record. You know? <laughs> That's uh. You do a record. And well, Chris something. downstairs was with the pub sigs. Um, so that's what he did for years and years and years. And we were, at the time, I was playing with a band that didn't get much more than just a few gigs. And I also played in a couple other projects. Oh, and nice. we were doing kind of like groove metal shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, like that Mr. Bungle kind of inspired stuff. And then Matt oh, was starting to get fantastic. industrial mm-hmm. uh, metal as we, and we all kind of diverged, you know, mm-hmm. as the 90s went on. It's interesting how we all circle back here at a fucking table 20 years later and you know a dude that I, like, you know, oh, dude, played so with wild. for it's forever. You, uh, you bump into, I, when we were in the Netherlands, I saw a guy that uh, was at that 
who lives here. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and just, it really is know, truly a shrinking world. It's just yeah. random. It's a shrinking world, especially online. You can mm-hmm. reach out to anybody now. Speaking of, with Tane shirt, um, you see this Cycle Las Vegas lineup? No, I have not. Well, it's uh, significant. When, yeah. What's the dates on that? Like, uh, it's August. 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 I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, I was like, I'm not I mean, so, be able to what, do that. So far confirmed, you got uh, you got some Satyricon, yep, you got Emperor. some Migwa, you got... See, the rumors are Emperor and Merciful Fate. Well, I think Emperor confirmed. Did they really? Yeah. I, well, I mean, if they were able to do the boat, that's the thing. They did 70,000 yeah. tons last week, so the, yeah, that visa right. is good for a year I, I or think, some shit like I that. I think they confirmed. I think the... Yeah, it's a year. The unconfirmed rumor is Merciful Fate. King don't gotta go far. He lives in Texas. Texas. Yeah, yeah he can drive. <laughs> yeah, so, he's not going to, but he can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Watain is playing. So Chris was at the final Slayer show out in LA. Yep. And like, I mean, he's Buddy carries. So yeah, yeah. Like, he is the laminates and all that. And so he was like, you know, everybody's kind of hanging out, and like Kirk was there, and Rob, and mm. like fucking like Scotty and all these guys. But he said like King Diamond was the only one that was kind of like cordoned off, and like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like he had his space. Oh, I know. That's awesome. <laughs> Because he was like sending on. me pictures, like I'm not, really, I just feel awkward. But he's like, yeah, I'm standing next to Kirk, and he said Scott Ian was pretty much air guitaring the whole show as if he was on stage. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's sure. awesome. But then he did like the big LA Tiki tour, and you know, and Scott it came, he came back with two, no, crazy. Oh, oh, yeah, no, Chris came back with like two thousand dollars of like artifacts from uh, Borneo. And so <laughs> yeah, uh, he hit an auction while he was out there and had to have it all trucked back by a different person. I think your space uh, speaks to your love of this, but. And I am not as familiar, but I do know that I bumped into a guy who you ha- must know because he designs tiki glasses. Okay. And he is in Indiana. But oh. apparently he's been doing it for years and years and years and years and years. And I, I guess they're... Is it Ken? Yes. <laughs> yeah. ah, there you go. Yep. There you yeah, go. I bumped into him at a, at a barbecue in Fountain Square. Oh, yeah, no, super, I... super. He, he was super nice. Super nice guy. Uh, yeah, House of Taboo. That's yep. his company. Yeah, yep. yeah, he does some real cool stuff. Hey, I just, I'm, I'm interested in the, the culture of it because it's... The tiki culture's weird, man, because there's a, you know, we haven't really get done, well, I, we have done a lot of tiki episodes, but um, getting into, like, cover with the broad brushes, like, there's a weird, a lot of weird crossover between, like, the rockabilly, psychobilly, punk scenes, mm-hmm. and then, mm-hmm. like, the mid-century, and all these things that kind of go into tiki. We mm-hmm. talked, we started to talk about it with Beach Bumberry before we drank two bottles of rum, and then forgot... <laughs> <laughs> and never hit record, and so oh, by the time we hit record, shit. it was just too blathering. Woo, fucking, yeah. It was it was too much. Yeah, that was uh, not not a not a good one. Not my proudest moment. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it though. <laughs> but anyways, guys, I'm gonna let you guys like get back to what you guys. I know you have a, a yeah, yeah. rare Saturday off. Yeah, um, I do try to, if I can remember, ask if anybody's got any like cool hangover tour, uh, hangover cures that. Maybe we need to know about because Ooh, the older I get, the more I need to know. You're on tour, man. My, like, my <laughs> best prevention is a bottle of prevention. water and two Advil's before bed. No, no, no. That's that's that's, pr- <laughs> but, that's prior. But uh, um, actually, what I really love that brings me back to life is either uh, pozole or egg drop soup. Okay. But I like some sort of hot liquid in the Pozole. morning to kind of... But that's got to be hard to get on the fucking road. It, in the States, at least, you can always find a Mexican place right. that will get it for you. But yeah, like, but if you're in Europe, you're not going to find a Pozole. Oh, my God, no. I mean, <laughs> if you're in Europe, Jesus, you're not gonna especially get on those kind of tours, I mean, your best bet's going to be a fucking Europe, butter bread. Though. Well, I mean, it's got to be something about, you know, Reinhardt's out and the just less additives and shit. I, I don't mean, know, man. I feel like when we were in the Netherlands, it was slamming La Trap. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean shit. I mean, we were in Tilburg. No it's brewed five minutes up That's the road. Oh, right. Yeah. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
there is a hangover cure that uh, when I first started working at Kumo's, it was talked about, and um, I usually just ride my hangovers out. Yeah. Um, but I say this to do. Uh, well, you know, um, right? You really mayo and mustard sandwich. Yeah. All right. You get like a little pickled egg flavor going on there. Apparently, it's. I mean, that sounds like any deli tray that's ever awaited us on tour. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Right, 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 right. I mean, I guess you got fat and acidity. Yeah, exactly. Fat being the key. Fat is something. Right. Fat to bring you back to life, and bread to soak everything else mm-hmm. that's still left up. What about yeah. you? So I had like a whole regimen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like literally, I would like if I went yeah, out of town, and when I go out of you. town, like I know, if, especially if I'm going to like a rum conference or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like literally, I took a shaving kit bag, and I just never put the shaving kit in it, and I would have like dob kit. Like my well, I'm like 43 now, so I need my tums. So I need some sort yep. of antacid, absolutely, because I drink a lot of tiki drinks. So you know, I'm Naturally. drinking a ton of acid over the course of the night, and mm-hmm. take my Advil. Xanax for the next morning because my anxiety shoots through the roof yep. the next the following morning, and then mm-hmm. you know, like I said, you know, I, I would always leave. Uh, I think it was some sort of I can't remember now some sort of like hydrating powdered mix or whatever. Yep. But I've noticed in the last two years that none of that has been effective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it all went right out the window. Like at, once I turned forty, none of that shit worked just anymore. Build up. Yeah. Just build up. And so now I just have to like try to be careful, more careful than I than I have been. And then just like you said, power through it because yep. I mean, as a lot of people have said on the show, the best way to get through it is just to sweat it out and like be That's active. True. But it sucks. The it's, worst. It's, it's the, it's, it it's is the worst. worst. It is awful. I, oh, I, dude. When I lived in, I used to live in uh, Richmond, Virginia, and my cure all there was BC powder. What is BC powder? Yeah. yeah, BC powder is not really a thing here. I see it sometimes. It's like some protein see, shit. It's uh, like Kool Aid. It's like <laughs> yeah, right. it, it, it's like powdered a leaf. Oh, gotcha. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And it, you, you know what? It, Somebody it, did like, mention good, this. Like, good, there's a goodies one that's sort of oh, the same deal. Okay. Shit. I think it was um, Christelle Harris from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a thing in Jamaica. Really? Yeah, because she mentions, and I, we were all like, uh, "What?" But I think, yeah, I'm BC almost, powder. I'm almost sure I have to go back and listen to that episode. It, but I think it was the uh, Velier Roundtable that was, she mentioned that. See, it's, a, and I don't, I, I was, I'm surprised in the Midwest that more people don't know about it. But it, it, you open up this little envelope, take it down, glass of water, done. Oh, it's like, craft like Advil. 30, 30 <laughs> it is. It is. Small batch. Small, Small batch, batch Advil. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Thanks for having us. Yeah, hey, thanks for coming on the show, guys. Awesome. Like, it was awesome. I wish we had like 15 more hours, which, yes, right. you know, like to chill, but, you know, we you got it. shit to do. I got to go to work, and you got shows to play and had, with apparently four different fucking bands. So. <laughs> Tonight. But before we wrap up, though, yeah. like, um, well, this, this is going to be a long list, but like, yep. we can find you. What's the website where everybody can find Kumas? Yeah, just kumascorner.com. Kumas, and that's K U M A S C O R N E R. You got it. Dot com. Yep. And uh, any personal social media that you want to share? Nope. Or, nope, not at all. Solid. No, sir. I ask, but you've got, <laughs> you guys probably have a lot of banded for websites, yeah. social media that you want to share. I mean, uh, Broken Hope and Atlas Moth are both on Instagram. Canyon of the Skull, not so much, but we do have a band camp. That's, that's fitting with the music. You yeah, know? exactly. You know, you got to keep it mysterious. Yeah, you can't have some sludgy Instagram account. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then I, it doesn't come across in the photos. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then I urge anybody for their caffeinated needs, uh, darkmatercoffee.com. Yeah. You should, you should tell people about Eat Their Own, though. Oh, man. I forgot about that. There's a... And it's interesting because this is how I got into Atlas Moth was this industrial project called Eat Their Own with his former guitarist in Encrust. Mm-hmm. And we did one record and then it kind of fell apart. But if you'd search it on Bandcamp, you could probably still find, you can it. find it. It's a record called Legacy of Dust and it's pretty sick. 
Awesome. <laughs> Legacy yep. of Dust. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Find it. And I, I know on the show we constantly talk about music, and we've never actually had a musician on the show like just talking about anything at all. Like, I mean, <laughs> Whoa, it's, it's always awesome. been well. I mean, they've been musicians, but you know, it's like like we said earlier, so we're working in the business full time. Yeah. So it's I'm, I'm happy to have you as the first on. Like, awesome. I hope it's thank you, brother. First of, of many, man. Yeah, I'm glad this worked out, man. So, Absolutely, gentlemen. Cheers. Well, cheers. cheers. I'm out. There you go.